business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Are my funds in my investments in the correct place? And I'm not here talking specifically about which fund manager. We're talking about the funds titles in general, the asset allocation, where the money is invested. And South Africa has always been an interesting place, simply because we have higher interest rates than most of the world. So you can sit in interest rates and do quite nicely. But then you get taken out by inflation, which is also higher. So the two run tandem hand in hand. Or you can go into more risky equity type investments, and then you've just got to ride by the seat of your pants. But it's not for me to give the advice today. It's JP Matthews, who is the head of, say, the product head of Cape Town based multi asset management matrix fund managers. JP, welcome to High FM. Oh, thanks, uh, Avi. It's uh, great to be here today, and uh, thanks for this uh, opportunity. Fantastic. Let's jump straight into it. You know, the end of the day, it's been a really, really tumultuous year. We've seen some good returns coming through. We've seen some positive coming through, which actually took us off the lethargy that we had come out of the last two or three years, which is muted returns. But maybe just summarize the returns that a typical investor in a retirement annuity or an endowment with the normal suite of funds could have expected over the last year. Yeah, so I mean, I think recently, uh, 2021 was a quite a good year, rebounding back from you know very low levels of economic activity in uh, 2020 after the crisis hit. So yeah, so we've had actually a good year so far. I think equities are up 10 odd percent, and the bond market had been doing well. The rand had recovered from pretty weak levels. So all in all, 2021 is, uh, has been a good year, except uh, maybe the last couple of weeks is a lot of uncertainty creeping back. And um, <clears throat> we're not sure it's going to be such a good year panning out in the next uh, month or two. We've already seen quite a bit of returns being being taken back in some of the risky assets. So so I guess, you know, sort of inflation plus uh, three, four or five is maybe what we should be hoping for in you know, the next uh, in this kind of environment. So let's maybe put that in perspective. Inflation being what? I mean, inflation is also a bit of a moving target. As we know, there's been a lot of inflationary fears globally now. There's, uh, you know, there's been this whole, call it energy crisis and uh, energy prices going up. And before that, we've, you know, with the rebound in economic expansion, we've also seen some commodity prices going up. So I think the big debate at the moment is inflation that's tracking about 5% at the moment. And the debate, and it's actually not just in South Africa, it's kind of worldwide. And for a brief period in time, the inflation in the States was higher than in South Africa because of these type of uh, aspects. So the, I think the big debate now is, is will inflation sort of move back to around 4.5%, which is kind of where we're seeing a track back to in this whole being, being a transient event, or um, will it become sticky? Will the globe enter into an inflationary environment, in, in which case monetary policy will have to and that's really the target of the Reserve Bank. That's really what they look to do, and, and that's their mandate. Let's get back to something that you've said, which I think is really pertinent. You said 
One consequence, he says, South Africa's investment environment has undergone a paradigm shift with successive interest rates cuts raising unseen risks for the investor. So one thing that, you know, investors in South Africa are dread, traditionally comfortable with is that they can sit in cash and cash will mm-hmm. still give them globally a decent return. But we've seen that being taken off the table the last two years and We've got 50-year lows. Um, how does that impact on people who ran, for example, to income funds where they thought, let me get out of the rat race, let me get away from the volatility, let me just, you know, go somewhere, which traditionally has done quite nicely. Do you think in, um, income funds are, are a place to be or are they a heavy? Yeah, it's a very important point. We're often debated. So we, we manage income funds and we also manage low equity funds and we're very much got a, a absolute return mindset in our business. We actually started in the hedge fund space like 15 years ago and we run the largest fixed income hedge fund in South Africa and we've diversified our business into long only. So I guess what I'm saying is we manage both, both income funds and we also manage multi-asset balanced funds and we always have an inflation hat on. So talking about the the paradigm shift is that up until recently and before COVID, I think a lot of South African savers were spoiled with very high real policy rates. So what does that mean? So that means that the Reserve Bank typically pitched the pegged the repo rate at expected inflation plus two or three percent, which if you think about it, that's real returns for jam. You know, you could essentially buy a one-year NCD and you had seven or eight percent on it with inflation tracking at four and a half, five, and you return, let's say, in your living annuity or in your, you know, especially if you're inside a retirement savings instrument where you'll only be paying tax on your withdrawals rather than you know, being taxed on what's inside this, this, uh, the living annuity or the illa or the illa, it made a huge amount of sense to be invested in income funds where you were almost guaranteed or underwritten by the reserve bank to receive at least inflation plus two or three percent. Right. So I think then that, that kind of became a mainstay investment for, for investors that were close to retirement or, you know, just post retirement and, and uh, a lot of income funds were providing investors with inflation plus three, even four percent with monotonous regularity. And it was really because of this policy, uh, real policy rate. But now, obviously, post-COVID, things have changed dramatically. I think um, trying to get global growth back on track again, the monetary response from you know all of the central banks across the world has pretty much been to cut rates to the bone. And uh, the Reserve Bank also changed the, um, the real policy rate down to zero. And at the moment, the... Uh, the repo rate is pretty much on par with inf- expected inflation. And in fact, in the repo at three and a half and say ex- longer term expected inflation at four and a half is sitting at a minus one real rate to, to kind of get going with. So even if you're buying a one year NCD these days at 5% and inflation is four and a half, you're only getting a half percent real. You know, versus literally two years ago, you'd be getting like 3% real out of that same investment. So kind of forcing investors to move further up the risk curve to try and get to decent real returns. So that's been a massive, massive change, you know. And, and that's and that's been absolutely fundamental. <clears throat> Sorry to jump in there because 
Um, income funds, NCDs, those type of instruments have always been a safe haven, <clears throat> as you said, because you've always got that little jam on the top, that, that layer that has always been there. That's now been stripped out. And all of a sudden, when you look across the pond and you say, well, let me start maybe flirting with something a little bit more aggressive. And you look at the milieu, it's absolutely daunting, especially mm. if your time horizon is very short. Um, I know Craig hasn't waved a piece of paper in front of our face, but I'm sure it's time to to take a quick ad break. Craig, can we take an ad break before we go back to equities? This is RV on Business. JP, let's go back to the, what we were saying before, is that the normal is no longer normal. We've really seen a paradigm shift. Things have moved. The income funds that one could sit at quite comfortably and know that you were receiving a above an inflation-beating return without having any risk is no longer there. You're still getting the returns, but you're not getting the jam that we got there before. Now, in order to get that, we need to bring risk on board. Something that goes without saying, anybody's got a really short time horizon, tough. You just stay where you are and, you know, as long as you're beating inflation, good for you. But for younger people, people with longer time horizons, is this the time to really get out there and just say, well, we're going to put on our big boy pants and take on a bit of risk? Yeah, well, it's a, you know, it's a... It's an interesting environment, and uh, maybe before I answer, I think I just want to kick off by saying we we are a multi-asset fund manager, so we manage in multiple asset classes, but we're not a multi-manager. So multi-managers typically, um, you know, give us mandates to we make the investment decisions ourselves in our business. Just uh, right. starting your ones on that. No, thank okay, you so. So sorry, yeah. So just to get back to you, this whole, um, you know, risky asset classes and equities being one of them and maybe to an extensive property and et cetera. Right? So, so I suppose, um, you know, I, I, we often think of sequencing risk or sequence risk. It's, it's sequence risk really means is that, um, that the market has cycles. And if you are someone that's already retired and you need to withdraw with one single pot of money, um, you know, when you when you withdraw from your living annuity in a downturn, it could affect your future income down the line. Now, the converse is true for for investors that are still in the early stages of their savings career. So, for for investors that are investing regularly, it's actually not a bad thing for a market to have a downturn because you're a net buyer of assets, right? So, so if you're a, if you're saving, you're always buying assets. And then actually buying assets at a lower price is kind of where you want to be, right? So, so downturns in, in markets actually quite, quite a good thing for long-term savers, but it's a really bad thing for someone that's already done all of their saving and have to live off that. So I think definitely in that life station, I think you're also a financial advisor yourself. Um, you know, I think when you, when you still have a number of years to invest, you can go for the risky asset class and maybe you want to overweight a bit in equities, et cetera. And your advisor will work out a, a, you know, a, a life stage solution that that suits suits you, and 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 I think those those kind of younger, longer term investors they can afford to take a bit more risk. Uh, the concern really is more on the close to retirement investor or the post retirement investor, where you just really can't take a twenty percent smack on your pool of cash because that's all you've got. You're going to live off it for the rest of your life. So there you kind of have to invest a bit differently. So there we, you know, we run low equity funds with lower targets, but much more consistent outcomes of say CPI plus three, which is actually not a bad return oh, if it's consistent, you know, if it's consistent, you're going to live off that income. You just don't want a very bumpy ride once you've retired. 
but if you've got loads of years to save, then actually the bumpier the better, I suppose. Yeah, JP, just to maybe share some personal experience. I was, I was young in the industry and I, I hit my first um, downturn <clears> in the market and I, I met a very serious senior financial planner in the corridor and, uh, and I said to him, like, Alan, like, what do I do? Like, the market's gone and it's down and I'm taking these people's money. He said, go back to your clients and maybe ask them if they want to increase their monthly debits. He said, like, are you out of your mind? I've just told you that things are going south. Yeah. If you stop and think about what you're saying. And we chatted about it and we actually developed like this idea. If you live in a house in the street where there's a terrible crime that happens, for example, and people move out of the house and the house becomes haunted, do you buy the house? Of course you do, but at a discount. And you hope that the rumor persists that the neighbors start to sell and you can buy up all those properties because the intrinsic value is the haunted value is the real value less the haunted value is going to give you real value. And all of a sudden you've made money just by hanging on to that asset, which is exactly what we were discussing there um, before. And and again, maybe another analogy, I got a call a while ago from a client to say like, do you know that cow that we created that gives me milk every month? I think the market's killed my cow. And when I'm finished eating it, there will be nothing left. In other words, the returns were so low that he was digging into capital to a point yeah. where he was loading it. And yeah. I also thought that was very, that was very a simplistic way of really describing what an investor goes through. Like, Sure. We're running out of money and we, we can't buy voodoo funds and all weird stuff and try to get the money back. That's just mm. not going to happen. Anyway, JP, let's, let's hop on to the, the next thing. And that's thing I really want to discuss with you is stability in the market and stability in funds. Is there such a thing as buying into a CPI plus fund or creating a portfolio that should give you CPI plus and it actually will over the shorter term, not on a three-year rolling basis, because a lot of people look at it and they say, I don't have the stomach for this. Yeah, I think, um, look, I think you, you're probably looking at sort of multi-asset income portfolios that I think at the moment will be giving you around CPI plus one to CPI plus two. Um, and then maybe one one step up on that would be multi-asset low equity portfolios that typically have a CPI plus three target after fees. And I think there, inside that bucket, um, it's important to get a feel for your fund manager on whether they are an active asset allocator or whether they are a strategic asset allocator. So in other words, I think a lot of balanced fund managers you either kind of have a very fixed percentage of allocation to each asset class and then you live and die by those decisions and you need sometimes a very long-term view for those equities to come back, right? So we at Matrix, we kind of on the other side, we have a very active approach to our asset allocation. So we have a 12-month view on what the performance of different asset classes would be. We have a 12-month view on inflation. And then we would change our asset allocation to try and give investors the best possible chance of beating inflation plus three by mitigating risk. So you can be quite active in your asset allocation as a risk mitigating tool rather than uh, optimizing of return tool. So, um so yes, it is. You have to have a, a diversified approach. So, you know, you'd invest into a money market, you'd invest into f- bonds, inflation-linked bonds, 
um, property market, local equity market, global equity market, global rates, etc. And you know, and it's about um, you know, if you could see there's a train crash coming, um, then you should maybe you know, lower some of your exposure to a specific scenario. And then when that train has passed, you can up to the weight again. And I think that's kind of, you know, getting those shock absorbers in, a, in place and having a diversified approach and then consistently delivering your, your CPI return. You know, then, and I think up, you know, upward from there, if you're thinking of the unit trust universe, from there on further, you start attracting more and more downside risk as you go into high equity balanced funds and, and 100% equity funds. And, you know, there's like 15, 20% vol and a big drawdowns from time to time. It's probably less suited for someone that's already in, in, in the retirement, in the, you know, at the end of their savings career. But we're running out of time and you've hit, you've obviously hit two nerves over here because the SMSs are coming in fast and furious. <laughs> the one has got to do with balance funds and two or three questions. Are all balance funds equal? Number two, I have got four balance funds in my portfolio from different companies. Why? And number three, I have three balance funds in my, my portfolio. Why don't I have something else? So those, that theme and the other theme um, that's coming through was something else that you mentioned there. Or, um, Vusi wants to know, should I therefore invest with smaller boutique funds rather than larger funds that are more nimble and able to switch in and out the markets quicker rather than having to be stuck with a fixed return or a fixed, sorry, with a fixed return approach? And that's what he wants to know. So let's answer the first question first. Like, you know, are okay. all funds in a category equal? Yeah. So le- definitely all balanced funds are not the same. You know, and even within this concept of balanced funds, there are low, medium, and high risk balanced funds. And even within each of those categories, you've got mm, a lot of different styles. And I think what advisors and solution providers do is to try and find complementary styles of managing those funds to try and, and get the investor more stable return. So the financial advisor sometimes combines two or three different balanced funds from different managers that have different styles that are complementary to each other to try and reduce the risk in your in your offering. So definitely they are different and you need a professional person to help combine them for you in a in a special way to meet to meet your 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 objectives. So that was about balance funds. Then the other about the the being able to be nimble, as as Vusi said, um, you know, using smaller boutique managers rather than sure. classic Alan Grays, etc. So I think the thing is that you know we have a very nimble approach to investing because we are very pragmatic. We come from a hedge fund space where we we are you know focused on absolute returns, but we're also still quite relative. We got about twenty billion of AUM, and we still. We stick to liquid markets and being pragmatic means that if you change your mind, you can change your position. So a lot of managers uh, may be of a certain size where even if you change your mind, you really can't always change your positioning in the market. So, and I think that does make a difference and, and that possibly results in two different styles of asset allocation. One being more dynamic and active and another one doing the quants and sticking to a specific allocation because you may not be able to rotate as often as you would like. Okay, so it's really about, you know, finding the one that suits you and being able to speak and approach someone, you know, directly and being able to build up a bit of a relationship there. JP, but once again, thank you so much for your time. Sorry we really just run out of it, but uh, 
I appreciate you coming through. No worries.